everyone, welcome back. My name is Yumei Chang and I'm the founder of Life is Love School, where we teach adult survivors of childhood abuse essential skills to live a happier and healthier life. Today's topic is re-victimization. Specifically, why does it seem that the same bad things keep happening over and over again to victims of abuse? Statistically speaking, if you were abused sexually as a child, your chances of being abused again sexually as an adult is 48%. Similarly, alarming statistics exist for those that were abused emotionally, physically, or suffered domestic violence. This could be a situation, for example, where a child who was abused by a violent alcoholic father, swearing to himself that he's never gonna be anything like his father, turning out to also be an addict, to also have out of control emotions, who also takes it out on his family. Or this could be a girl who grew up with parents that were physically abusive towards her, who later lands in one relationship after another where the partner is also violent towards her. Or this could be a child who was the invisible child in a family, never felt seen or heard, and then later dating one partner after another where her feelings again were not seen and not heard. Now, why does this happen? It's a totally baffling phenomenon that has really caused a lot of questions to be raised. And I'll share some of the interesting points and studies so that if any of these points resonate with you, please put it down in the comments. I love hearing from you and I read every single comment. Now, reason number one is the association of pain with love or pain with family. So to give you a little bit more insights into this, I'll share a scientific study. So scientists put baby rats, so these are called rat pups, in a cage along with the mother, and then they would electrically shock the baby rats. Now it's a painful thing for the baby rat, but what they observed is that because the mother is also in the cage, the baby actually does not go into fight or flight. The cortisol level, which is a stress hormone in the baby, does not rise. So that's highly unusual, but Scientists believe it's because a mother rat is there, so the baby feels calm even though it was being shocked. Now, what the scientists also did was they blasted a scent while this is all happening. So they blasted the scent of a cat. What's alarming is that when these babies grow up, they then would run towards cats because they like the scent. Even though it was associated with a lot of pain, it was also associated with their mother. So then they actually run towards danger instead of away from it. So if you read this into the human behavior, it's not very hard to see the parallel, where if a person was abused repeatedly as a child, even though it's by their own parents, they associate that behavior with love. So later when they run into somebody who resembles their parents and how they behave towards her, she might run towards that person, even though that person is clearly toxic. So if you run into this situation, I think awareness is key and to see this linkage between your past and present to see, am I actually dating some version of my parents? And if I'm doing that, do I have to keep continue to do that? So all of these patterns, the key is to break it, you have to see it. And once you see it, you have a choice. Now, reason number two is the law of attraction or self-fulfilling prophecy. We tend to bring about what we believe. So let's just say that you were abused as a child or you were neglected and abandoned as a child. So the way that children can deal with it is that they could believe either they must have it or they don't need it. 
So the children that chose to believe that they must have it, a lot of times then grow up to be adults that are anxiously attached. So these are the people that are overly clingy. They're testing their partners repeatedly. They get angry or irritated easily if they're not hearing back from their partner very often. These are the people who would text their partners every 10 minutes to ask them how they're going and they're constantly wondering if their partner still loves them. So this type of behavior after a while could actually push people away. This excessive neediness would drive anyone away if it's done to the extreme. And then what does this person then take out of this experience? They then confirm their worst fear, which is whoever I love will not reciprocate, that I will always be abandoned. So that was always their underlying belief. And that's why they have that clingy and testing behavior. But because they do that behavior according to disbelief, it actually brings about the results that they are most afraid of. Now, the other children who decided that, hey, you know, I wasn't loved as a child, I was abused as a child, therefore I don't need anybody, that people are going to cause me pain, they a lot of times become avoidance in adult relationships. Now, if they're constantly putting up a wall, they're constantly running away and avoiding intimacy, guess what? Their partner also eventually gets tired of them, the relationship doesn't work out, and this person will again say to himself, see, I knew that people are not reliable. I knew that I always have to count on myself. I knew that I always will be alone. So people actually bring about their worldview and they fulfill it through their actions in alignment with that worldview. So if this is you and you do not like the result you're seeing in your life in a certain area, it is useful to look at what is your underlying belief and is it limiting your potential today? And then choose to believe something different. Now, reason number three is that a lot of times victims of abuse turn off the alarm system. So they actively ignore red flags. Now, why would a person do that? So in most abusive households, when a child complains to the parents that, hey, for example, my nanny is molesting me, instead of investigating the situation or reporting the situation or taking the child's side, a lot of times these parents would gaslight the child, meaning they would deny the kid's reality. They would tell the child that they're being overly sensitive, they're thinking about nothing, that they're just making a big deal out of absolutely nothing. So when they have their reality denied by the parents, by the people that they trust, what the child takes in is, maybe I am overly sensitive, maybe I am just overthinking it, Maybe I should just let this slide. So if they continue to turn off the alarm in their adult relationships, it's not hard to see how it makes them very prone to abuse. These are also people that have a hard time saying no because they might have said no in their family of origin and received punishment. In a lot of complex trauma families, it is not okay for a child to assert any kind of boundary, to say no in any way to the parents. That elicits punishment. So what the child internalizes is that my needs don't matter. I cannot say no. And that can create all sorts of problems later for them in their adult relationship. Now, reason number four is that somebody who suffered abuse growing up, their default setting may be way too low. So for example, if you observed your parents physically fighting each other in a very violent way, you may feel that even though your partner is constantly putting you down, is constantly sarcastic, not supportive, they're toxic emotionally, that in comparison, it's really not that bad. 
So then you tell yourself that there is no reason that you should ask for better because what you have today is better. So objectively speaking, yes, your relationship today could be better, but it in no way means that it's not abusive or toxic. Better than something who's what's really, really bad is not good enough. So the key here is to recognize that what you had before is far from normal and that you need to perhaps dramatically raise the bar for yourself. Reason number five is some survivors actually try really, really hard to run away from what was not normal, right? They saw that their parents were abusive, especially if one parent is very abusive. Let's say that it's a relationship where the father is a malignant, overt narcissist who's violent. The mother is a codependent enabler who's a, maybe a covert narcissist. So the child growing up saw the obvious violence and sadism of the father. And she tells herself, I am never going to choose anybody like my father. But at the same time, she also has a false dichotomy where she feels like her options are only two. It's either choosing somebody like her father or she has to choose somebody like her mother. So she ends up with somebody like her very dependent, enabler, passive aggressive mother. And that's not healthy either. So it's actually a false dichotomy feeling that the world only has two options when that is not true. So in order to get out of this one, it's very important to understand what healthy looks like and to model success. So model success outside of your family of origin, which may not have any good role models. Reason number six is reenactment. So this is a very insidious one. People do this unconsciously. This means that let's say you were a child who never got the approval of your parents. Your parents always told you that you were not good enough. You're not smart enough, that you are too fat. You're too thin. You're too short. You're too tall. You're too this, not enough that. So all your life, what you wanted more than anything is to be approved by them. But you could not get that from your parents for one reason or another. So what you do is in your adult life, of course, this is all subconscious. You peg on to a partner who reminds you of how your parents treated you. So this person is also unsupportive. This person is also pulling your legs, putting you down, jealous of you, etc. But you feel like by being with a person like this, you have a second shot at making things right. And somehow by doing this, you could rewrite your childhood to have a happier ending. So if this is you, the key is to recognize that you are now a free adult and that what happened back then was all about them and their trauma and their toxicity. It has nothing to do with you and therefore you have nothing to prove. You are good enough and you could move on and choose somebody who's healthy. You do not have to prove that you are worth something to these people, whether it's your parent or your current toxic partner, because you are. And that is just without a doubt, you do not need to prove that value. Reason number seven is bad coping mechanisms or bad belief that stems from the fact that you were a kid when bad things happened to you and you guess wrong. You guess wrong what the reason was that this abuse happened. So when you're a child, there's not a lot of means for you to either fight back or leave. So you're very stuck and you're completely reliant on these people who are abusive towards you to feed you, to keep you alive. So a typical response of a child is they may read the abuse and the gaslighting and the denying of their feelings from the parents as 
I am somebody whose feelings don't matter and what's important is I make sure everybody is happy. So you can see how if a child holds this belief and continues into adulthood, they become a people pleaser. Now, what people pleasers tend to attract is people that are more than willing to let them please him. So a lot of times people pleasers who are overly giving, who lacks boundaries, then end up with somebody who's a narcissistic taker. So this person is more than happy to take from the people pleaser who's looking desperately for the approval from the narcissist. So in order to avoid this situation, it's again helpful to look at some of the beliefs that you formed very early on as a child, because a child didn't know very much about the world. A child has a tendency to blame herself because the parents seem all powerful and the child by default trust the parents and love the parents. So when the parents do something that's truly awful, instead of putting the accountability where it belongs, which is on the perpetrating adult, she has a tendency to put it all on herself and blame herself and come up with reasons where it's her fault. So then that sets her up to become a victim later in life, which ties into point number nine is self-blame. So self-blame is very insidious because it sets up the victim to say, I am not good enough and therefore I deserve bad things to be done to me. I deserve the abuse. I deserve the abandonment, etc. And they don't set boundaries. They don't fight back because they don't believe they deserve better. So in life, we tend to get what we believe we should get, right? As a free person, you always have an option to say yes or no to any circumstance, any relationship. So if your bar is set very low and you say yes to things that are abusive, then that can be what you end up with. So if you want a better life, you have to raise the bar. You have to believe that you deserve better. So that requires the removal of self-blame. So you may ask, if I suffer a lot of shame, a lot of self-blame, how do I get rid of that? So the anecdote to self-blame and any form of shame is self-compassion. So compassion means the Latin root of compassion is calm, which is with. Pati is suffering. It means with suffering. So suffering along with. And self-compassion is I suffer along with myself. This is literally in a way you going back as an adult self, going back in time and seeing that child who is suffering mass injustice and a lot of abuse and feels very much alone and going back to her and telling her all the things that she wished that she heard back then. You might want to tell her that I feel for you. I feel your pain. What you're going through is not okay. I'm here for you now. Whatever you believe your child needs to hear, please tell her now. This is what we call reparenting. There are many strategies for reparenting yourself, but if you were abused as a child and you can only cope by, for example, dissociation because you're very powerless, there's not a lot of options. Your child self is still trapped in time and you could release her by going back there and being with her and validating her suffering and letting her know that what happened to her was not her fault and that she does not need to take blame that does not belong to her. And you can also tell her that she does deserve better and that she does deserve to raise the bar. I hope you find today's content helpful. As always, please put any comments because your comments drive my content going forward. And also do consider joining the ladies and me in our women only program. So in our membership program, 
We not only have live question and answer calls where you can bring any questions that's troubling you in your day-to-day -day life, and I'll help you make better decisions, but also there's digital content so that you can learn, for example, how to regulate your emotions, how to heal PTSD symptom, how do you sleep better, how do you calm your emotions, etc., in a systematic way. So the two, the live Q&A and the course content is complimentary. And of course, you can also reach me anytime with questions in our private Facebook group. It's a very supportive community and healing is just that much more fruitful and less painful when you have people that understand what you're going through and who can really see you. So I hope you'll consider joining us. And if you like the video, please like and subscribe because that will help our message reach more survivors who need this message of hope and healing. Until next time, have a wonderful week.